You see in the bulletin that the one thing that I would like to leave with you today is that regardless of our past, God intends our well-being and freely offers us the gift of healing our past and of a hopeful future. My wife Becky has a book resale business, and whenever I can, I like to go with her to give her support. She runs the business, she does what's important. I schlep the bins and the boxes. <laughs> Thursday, we were in Verona, New Jersey, and I was especially keen to go because Verona is where my mother grew up. She spent her childhood and graduated high school. So it gave us the opportunity to go over and see my mother's house, and it was empty and for sale. And uh, that gave me the opportunity to look in the windows. There's been only one owner between, and it's never been changed. So it was just the way my mother knew it as a child. I thought about that. The doorbell seems to be original on the house. And I thought of the door opening and closing, my mother coming and going, off to school and back again. And uh, my father and my mother were married in that house as well. And uh, thought about the enormity of that, the, the joy of it. My mother's mother died in that house of a sudden pneumonia when she was 36 years old. My mother was 14. And so there was a lot of sadness associated with that house as well. We have shadows, all of us, in our past, even generations, shadows that are cast over our families, shadows of loss and of trauma and of sin and sadness. Our Lord promises us that our past might be healed. Israel had a long and sad past. We read of it in the first reading today. Remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago. Consider not. See, I am doing something new, God says to Israel. Israel had this frightful history of profound loss and trauma and that long, dark shadow cast over their generations that kept them from appreciating the good that God had done for them. St. Paul gives us this uh, remedy in the second reading this morning when he says, forgetting what lies behind but straining forward to what lies ahead, I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. The beauty and the power of the gospel is that God is not constrained by time. He doesn't wear a watch. You're pleased that I'm wearing one this morning. Uh, but he's not bound by a calendar. He's not constrained by time. 
whereas there's nothing we can do about the losses and the trauma and the sins of our past, God is able to reach into the past and heal our past wounds and restore our losses and forgive our sins. God is able to heal our past and give us a hopeful future. In common English, we use hope in a hedged way, but this is a certain hope, a confidence in a good outcome. In the gospel this morning, the woman who is, quote, caught in adultery, this is the only place in the English Bible where this word in Greek is translated as caught. I think, frankly, it's prejudiced with the woman. Everywhere else in the Bible, this word is translated as seized. So the woman was seized by men and thrown in front of Jesus. For what reason? In order to entrap him. So their accusation and use of this woman to their own end impeaches their testimony that she was caught in the very act. They were using her for their purposes, and she was used to being used. She was a woman alone in public. Well, in that time in the Middle East, a woman would never have been alone without a man in public. Either her father, her brother, or her husband would be with her, and he would defend her, but there was no one there. Why? Obviously, she had been seized and used before. And again and again and again. Now she was being used. I know what you want to know. What did Jesus write on the ground? And I'll tell you, I have no idea. <laughs> and never will. But when he finishes writing, he looks up and says to her, Where are those who condemn you? The Greek term here is for accuser. Where are your accusers? You know what one of the titles of Satan is in the Bible? The accuser. The accuser. Where are your accusers? She says, they're not here. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now he uses a Greek term here or the writer of John uses the Greek word, that means to pronounce judgment and sentence. He says, I have no judgment and no sentence on you. And then he says to her, do not, go and do not sin again. But again, this is an awkward translation into English of a peculiar Greek term that means to not go off target again. Don't miss the mark again. In other words, you're hanging out with these bums and they've taken you off target. Don't go off target again. And this is why there's no judgment, there's no sentence. This woman's been victimized. What? By her past. 
Her past is a past of profound loss and pain and anguish, and our Lord frees her from her past. Our past is healed in Christ. What was lost has been restored. The sins committed have been forgiven. And now we have a hopeful future. We can look forward rather than backward, leaving what's behind in the past and now moving forward in Christ. So something to think about today. In what ways has God healed my past wounds? And what good gifts has he replaced them with?